Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to this Thursday's edition of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am your host, Gary Cocker, free from my championship dungeon for one night only. I have been joined by a fellow prison break person, Sean McGuigan. Hello. You've been in the dungeon a while, Sean, and I'm letting you out with me on day release. I, 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 I've been in the dungeon. I mean, we're still talking about, we're still talking about the championship in the lower leagues. But yeah, this feels like a, a very, I don't know if it's a great prison break. No, I, th- I think we're sort of like the, the guy who had the crow in Shawshank Redemption. You know, we get released, but really we, we just long for the uh, stability and structure of the championship. Is that the guy that, that gets a job in a supermarket and eventually just does away with himself? It is, yeah. Great. <laughs> great, great analogy. Um, but speaking of um, people who can probably do better analogies, um, we are joined by someone with that. Had of experience of the championship, but who has gladly got a lot better now is Craig Anderson. Yeah, so someone who su- did actually successfully make the prison break, and I'm like the ex-con coming back to, to give a wee a wee pep talk to the to the pair of you. Um, but yeah, thanks, thanks. It's uh, it's always good fun to to have to talk about football when there's been no football. Um, it's it's a little flashback to 2020. Um, but fingers crossed, it's for one week only, and somebody else doesn't die next week. Yes, we. <laughs> We um, we have managed to just about come up um, with a feature. We've, we discounted various ideas such as best shoulders in the Scottish Premiership and such like, and have come up with doctor surgery in a way. Um, Sean McGuigan. Um, <laughs> in what way? <laughs> in, well, in many ways. Um, basically, as many of you will know, the loan window for Scottish lower league clubs is open until October the 1st this year. Now, this uh, has been a subject of... Light controversy, I will say, because there have even been a few clubs moved to put out statements um, bemoaning the inability of top-tier clubs to uh, release players on loan because of the changes to substitutions um, emanating, I suppose, um, from the aftermath of the COVID pandemic. And what Sean is going to do is expertly take us through what a number of clubs, uh, he's given me a funny look, but he is the expert, <laughs> and he will take us through what each club in the championship, I believe, and a couple of other clubs in uh, elsewhere in the lower leagues need, 
And between the three of us, we will try to identify somebody who we can pluck from um, the bench or not even the bench, in some cases the reserve league, uh, and try to let them shine in the lower leagues. Um, Sean, do you want to uh, talk through what your thinking was when you were just looking at uh, the various clubs in the championship and the lower leagues and any sort of common themes that were coming out of, of what was needed? Okay, so so, so firstly, I, I found this quite difficult because I barely know uh, any good players in the Premiership, never mind players who are rotting away uh, on substitute benches or getting 10 minutes uh, at, at a kind of substitute appearance. However, I've tried my best. I, I, I think I'm a wee bit more knowledgeable on what teams need rather than who is going uh, who is going to be able to 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 uh, uh, plunk those needs, uh, plunk that gap. I, 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 I'll, I'll try my best. However, I, I, I mean, starting with Dundee, if you want to start with uh, with your team, Gary, I thought I, I thought goalkeeper might be the biggest issue. But maybe you'll disagree. I would lightly disagree um, with that. I think that's the second time I've used lightly uh, as an adjective in in this podcast. And it's barely five minutes young. I think a bigger issue for Dundee at the moment, we, we've got three goalies on the books. Um, so we've got Adam Legsons, Ian Lawler and Harry Sharp. No, that is potentially fair enough. Although Harry Sharp has, I think, got three clean sheets in his last four games, I want to say. I, I, that stat could be totally wrong. Um, but he has seemed to build a little bit of confidence. Obviously, he's only 21. Um, so for a goalie, he is incredibly green, incredibly raw. I think the idea is basically to stick with him. Uh, I think that uh, a lot of the issues that we've had at the back do, don't really stem from him so much as they stem from um, others. Uh, Ryan Sweeney, I'm looking at you in the first instance. I think a bigger issue for Dundee is the fact that if you look at the options that we've got up top and on the wings, We've got Zach Rudden, who I believe will be back from injury for the game against Inverness Cali Thistle yep. at the weekend. But he's been in and out of the squad with injuries, so you never know what's going to happen there. Killian Sheridan, who has been injured for Ever. a year. Uh, it was, he, was, it was a... he was playing for your reserves today against Kelly, I saw. Yes, he, he's been slowly but surely coming back to fitness since July. I think he's, you know, there's been talk in the career every week that he's this close, this close to making his comeback, um, but then that hasn't happened. Alex Jakubiak started off the season really well uh, and then got injured, um, believe it or not. So that really just leaves us with 20-year-old Loney uh, Zach Robinson um, from AFC Wimbledon, and he I mean, he has been a, a very strong addition to the side, but can you really go with just him and three injury-prone players up top for the whole season? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure that Zach Rudden is, is injury prone, to be fair. Uh, and, and Robertson scores an absolute rip snorter uh, the other week. I, I, I agree that you're a, I agree that you're light uh, up front. However, I think if you if you're suggesting that, that Dundee need to bring in a lone forward rather than Scott Bain, then I, I think you are uh, the enemy of, of narrative. And I would like Scott Bain to return to Dundee. I do have an alternative narrative, but I do like that one too. My alternative narrative is uh, that we liberate Logan Chalmers from Dundee United Football Club. Well, that's um, going to happen. That, that, that's I think one of the teams that he is least likely to go to would be... It, 
you probably would be quite unlikely to come, but this is this is a fancy podcast, Sean. Anything can happen in my realm. Um, obviously, he had a, a terrific loan spell at Inverness Cali Thistle last season. I reckon if he is going to go anywhere uh, other than uh, actually getting the game for Dundee United, and you never know what their new manager will decide, uh, as and when they come in, whoever that might be. It'll probably be William Fox. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> <laughs> They thought they were going to get Duncan Ferguson and it's going to be Liam Fox. I saw an article about do the players want Liam Fox as a manager? A a manager who barely won any games at Cowdenbeath. I really really hope it happens. Me too. Um, But I I feel like Logan Chalmers is primed for another loan move, but the problem is where does he go? I mean, do you have another potential location for him in the top end of the championship, Sean? Because... I can't see him really going to a team that would be struggling in the championship, just given that he was at a Cali Thistle team that were sort of gunning for promotion last season. There's a number of uh, championship teams who are who are looking for a striker. I, I haven't necessarily put Chalmers in there, but uh, I listen. There's about three or four that would that would willingly take him. Uh, I I'd, my, my next team that I thought needed a striker was Air United, and as much as I like. Uh, Depot Akinyemi, that's pretty much all they've got. I think if he was to be out for, if he was to get injured, if he was to be uh, even suspended for a few weeks, I don't think they really have anybody else that could come in. I think they have forward-thinking players that could maybe play a role up front, but but none that could none that could make uh, none that could play that, that kind of uh, lone striker role that, that Air United seem to be playing. However, I did think of somebody else that that they could potentially bring in. And it's somebody who I don't think is very good, but the the courier <laughs> keep the courier keep running out articles to suggest that he is, and it's Theo Bear. Now I've I, I watched some uh, clips of Theo Bear this evening, and in the MLS he looked like he was world class, which I'm I'm starting to to agree with Craig Fowler's tweet earlier this evening that just because you look quite good in the MLS maybe means you shouldn't be in the Scotland squad. Because from what I've seen of him in the in the Scottish League, he he doesn't look good at all. He had a it, it looked like he might have had an accidental assist against somebody. It kind of come off his chest. Was it against Livingston? Maybe I can't remember who the goal was against. And then he literally kind of ran away, pointing to his chest as if to say, "That's an assist. That's an assist." He he doesn't look good enough for St. Johnson. Doesn't look good enough for the top flight. You know, something I don't think he'd be good enough for United either. But he he feels like a, a lone move would would suit him. And perhaps a team in the championship would would take him. So, I, so I've, I mean, I've stolen your notes essentially, Sean, on which clubs needed which positions. But I've, I've, I think I've sorted locations for all three of those players. Which is, I, I think uh, Logan Chalmers has our bro written all over him. Like he's, he's quite similar in kind of style, building all that to Jack Hamilton, um, who they had last season. Dundee United's just up the road. They would probably be happy having him in training with them. They. Clearly, do need a forward option. It, it kind of made sense to me. Theo Bear, I was was one I also had down because I think he, he needs to adapt to Scottish football before being generous to him. Dundee's just down the road. Send him, send him to Dundee. The, um, I know that I know there will be some issues from Dundee fans in terms of being that far down the pecking order. They're getting players on loan from St Johnston, but it's a uh, massive sort of rivalry. Um, it's a massive rivalry going back many many years. We couldn't cope, and. 
Air United and um, potentially Morton um, because he did play there before. When he's back fit, and I don't know when that can be, we can fight it out over Alex Samuel from uh, Ross County because he's been terrible when he's been at Ross County. Barely kicked the ball, is out injured now, but has played, did play for Morton several years ago and was all right in the championship. Whether that is still an option. So those were, those were forward options that I picked out. I actually found it quite difficult to identify forwards. I would have previously said Ennis Cameron, um, or whether he's even got a championship club in him, I don't know, but then he suddenly, <laughs> suddenly popped up, scored the winner for, for Kelly at Tynecastle when you start thinking, you know, is he going to, is he going to be sticking around? But Air United might be a, a, a um, he didn't have his best spell there, but you could imagine him maybe going back there. Um, it's obviously the local and, and Morton in the same boat again. He kind of feels like he would be up Emily Street because he's like a big lump that can just annoy people, but he's maybe not got the movement. But they were the forwards that are kind of identified, and so they, they can have some, some selection of that merry-go-round. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. So see, see in terms of see in terms of Kilmarnock players and see in terms of forward thinking Kilmarnock players. I, I did have two clubs uh that, that I thought could could welcome uh Kelly players with not open arms, but kind of slightly slightly open arms. Uh, I I think Ennis Cameron would suit our growth. Yeah, like, he did I, all right there before, didn't he? Uh, I mean so Ennis Cameron was like he, he looked really good at he was really good at Alloa, wasn't that? Oh, sorry, I was yeah, he was getting. But then he up, looked, yeah. he looked pretty poor at, at at Queen of South. The Queen of South fans would like you, if if you were to ask any a Queen of South fan now, bear in mind they're in League One, would you take in his Cameron back? They'd, they'd potentially say no. However, I I think there is a player there, like like, and I know it's like that. There's fleeting moments within his Cameron, but I'd, whether it whether it was just that. Like I, I know nobody thinks that Peter Grant is a good manager, but somehow Peter Grant was able to get a was able to get a tune out of him. I'm not entirely sure what what he did to 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 make Ennis Cameron look like a, a a good championship striker. However, I would imagine that Dick Campbell could probably do something similar. Like like if you think right, Ennis Cameron doesn't look that great. Who who in the championship could get a tune out of him? Dick Campbell might be might be the man. So. I, I, I think that would be a I think that would be a good move for both parties uh, in terms of Ennis Cameron to have growth. and in terms of uh, in terms of Morton who I think needs another forward player or somebody that could play wide. I thought again somebody who's impressed recently for Comanic. I thought Daniel Armstrong, like like Armstrong again. I don't think is good enough for for Kelly. I don't think is good enough for the Premiership, even even at Championship level for for Wraith. I liked him, uh, and he could. Uh, he scored some humdingers, and he could beat a man. His his set pieces were dreadful and hugely frustrating. But again, in the championship, he's he's absolutely fine. And Morton, Morton feel like they are uh, just don't quite have enough in the, in the forward areas. And 
could imagine Armstrong going to Morton and and, and being a bit of success and and them uh, the Morton fans quite taking to him. Yeah, so I had so I had a hit list at the start of the season of about six or seven players that I thought like, we we need to try and get short of these guys that they're all they were all on two year deals and we need but we need to kind of get them out on loan. Armstrong was one that was on that, but but I actually think he's probably played himself into kind of staying with Kelly at least until January now because he's been doing pretty well. I don't, I, again, I don't think he's he's a Premiership player necessarily, but he was one and Liam Polworth is another one who I was I was kind of thinking, well, we need to just ship him out. But again, he's kind of come in and done all right. Um, the other, do, do, the you other not, do, do, do you not think that, do you not think that by suggesting that Armstrong and Polworth have played themselves into contention suggests that you might have a difficult season. <laughs> well, well, there's a bit of that. I just think, like, Polworth, I mean, Polworth in particular has excelled at this level before for, for spells. So he was one that you thought, when we signed him for the championship, you thought, do you know what, this is a player that should, should look all right in the championship and then when we go up, he should be able to hold his own. I don't suspect he'll be at Kilmarnock beyond next year when his contract's up, but I think you'll probably get something out of him. Armstrong, I don't know. It might just be a wee flash in the pan, just like, like Cameron. Um, but but the other the other four that were on my list, um, I, I was desperately trying to find. Look, well, sorry, of the other four that were on my list, Lee Hodgson's one of them. We managed to ship him off to Partick Thistle, and the other three are ones that I'm desperately trying to find clubs for um, via this via this mo- via this approach, just in case someone listens and goes, "Oh, I'd actually <laughs> actually quite like to take him." Um, but they we will defend. be sending this podcast to all uh, Championship League One and League Two clubs and claiming a finder's fee if we possibly can. I wouldn't be surprised if someone's listening to it, um, but but I will, they're all more defensive-minded players. I think the, the issue has been we we, all, we brought for Kelly, we brought Jones back, and then he's had injury issues. It's meant he's not he, he played a league cup game, and then he's he's been away again, and he seems like he might be back, but that's left his kind of short in numbers a wee bit. So I think that's been part of the. Um, the reason Armstrong got his chance in the first place, which I, I, to be honest, I didn't even expect to see him at all this season. I thought he would be straight out on loan in the summer, but we're carrying a big squad, but it's hard to know which ones to, to ship out. But I have got three names, but I don't know if we want to, if, if we're finished our, our forward talk or if we want to. Well, well, do you still have Scott Robinson? He's injured as well. Okay, so uh, how injured? Nobody seems to know. I've barely seen him, and, and he was meant to be back for the start of the season, and then he's but uh, yeah, I, it's been a shame for him because I thought he was going to be good this time, but he's basically and he, and he scored two goals, he scored big two goals the uh, away to Hamilton a game last season that that was quite an important one at the time in terms of kind of turning turning things around for us. But yeah, you've barely seen him under McInnes. It felt like that could have been a good combination because you thought McInnes will get the most out of a kind of pest, but. Um, yeah, so I don't know what his situation is, but you might be right. It might be that if he's back in time, someone takes, someone says that we'll, we'll we'll get him minutes and see if he's still up to it, and with a view to maybe coming back in January. But I don't know. But that seems very Morton to me as well. So do you know something? See if see if he isn't totally broken, then I would I would gladly take him at Starts Park. Bear in mind, so bear in mind we we didn't. We ended the season pretty much with no strikers. We we've started this season with no strikers. Jamie Gullen that they've attempted to educate him into being a striker uh, during the the kind of early stages of this season, and and you know something in Gullen's defence, I would I would say he's more a link man than a forward. He's he's improved. Uh, 
he he has started to learn the role of a, a, a kind of lone striker, and he's he, can, he holds the ball up pretty well. And in, in, in terms of bringing the players behind him, uh, kind of into play and and fair play to him. However, he, he still isn't a forward. He still isn't a striker. I, I should say he he actually went off injured against Inverness. As soon as he went off injured, we we became infinitely poorer. So Wraith still literally have no strikers uh, on their books apart from David Goodwillie. Uh, of course, but uh, I, I I don't I don't foresee him getting a game. So I I would like Robinson to to come in. He he looks like a pest. The fact that he has kind of short dyed blonde hair makes him look like a wee a wee kind of naff. And I'd like I would just imagine him playing for us. And because he's a pest, and because he winds up uh, opponents, and and he's he's a talented forward. I can just imagine him, like Wraith fans really taking to him. So I would. I, I would like Robinson, but if if he's utterly broken, then uh, that'll be that. But that was that was my suggestion for uh, for Wraith. I mean, an- another hole, um, certainly from the outside looking in, in Wraith Rovers that hasn't yet been filled is obviously uh, at right back with the departure of Raheem Tumulty. Um, so <laughs> could I attempt you to take a Lee Hodson off Wraith's hands if he's not willing to? He's a bad aggressor. So he is. Don't, don't get me wrong. Yes, I would. Yes, I'd, I'd, I'd gladly take him because the alternative is Ross Mullen. Uh, but uh, I, I was thinking, so it's so like Kieran Freeman. Like, is he, is he even getting a game at Dungeon United? He's been a regular on the bench, and he has come off for a couple of games. I mean, obviously, the the big disclaimer with United is that with a new manager coming in, you never know what system they're going to go with, who their favourite players are going to be. Um, but you know. Dungeon United and Wraith Rovers do seem to have a, a connection going back many years with players. So I think uh, I, I think Inverness. So in, Inverness are probably short of a right back. I would say uh, Kieran Freeman would would make a difference here. It, from what I've seen, it looks like he gets forward pretty well. Uh, whether he's that great defensively, I'm not entirely sure yet. But you'd imagine, even if he isn't great defensively in the Premiership, he would be okay uh, in the Championship. You would imagine. Uh, I would. But aye, Inverness or Wraith. Uh, but from what I hear, Wraith Rovers have signed a six foot eight Faroe Islands international, and we're just waiting on clearance. So we'll probably bring nobody in on loan. Uh, but just wait until the middle of October before we get a work permit for this Faroese guy. At which mm-hmm. point we're bottom of the table with six points. And, and, and just, obviously, I mean, the Faroese footballers come with a quality assurance guarantee as well. So. At least you have no word. I was just thinking of the boy that was playing centre half for them that it was like kicking about with like Forfar and stuff like that and maybe even played in the Highland League and then turned up playing turned up playing for them against Scotland. But uh Craig, would I rather have Scott Robinson or a six foot eight Faroese striker with four caps to his name? You better believe it's a Faroese boy. <laughs> you might not score and you know something, I bet even if we, like, let's say he let's say this rumour is actually true, right? And he does sign for us. I bet he ends the season with three goals, and none of them came from his head. <laughs> they were all sclaffs. Or penalties. <laughs> Rebounds from penalties that he's missed. <laughs> three accidental goals. Yeah, um, honestly, this uh, th- this season has got a uh, disaster written all over it in League One next season. But let, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. It's a good laugh, regardless. I mean, going through, I think, a couple of other teams we've not touched on the Championship. Um, Partic Thistle, Probably don't need. Do, do you know something? Anyone? I've got. Uh, I've got Patrick Hussle not really needing anything. I, I think that. I think their squad is set, and Patrick Hussle fans will probably disagree. But I was. I was going through it, and it looks like from from back to front, 
they've got enough to yeah. to challenge. I'm not sure they'll bring anybody. I'm not sure. I'm not sure they'll be looking to bring anybody in. Put it that way. And beyond that, I think the other teams we've not touched on are Hamilton. Uh, Sean, I think you were suggesting that they could do with someone between the six. I I am could, not. Could we I, shove Scott Bain there? I am not it a huge a match fan made of, in heaven. I am not a huge fan of Ryan Fulton. Uh, I was looking at clips of all the goals that they've let in this season. There was one against Wraith that he should have done better. There was another goal, I can't remember who it was against, that he, he should have done better. So I was thinking uh, Kevin Dubrovsky from that's, Hibs. That's what I've got as well. I I am not entirely sure how good he is. Like he's had, like, like he seems to make quite a lot of good reaction saves, but then he, he spends a bit of time doing his hair. Like after every single reaction save he makes, he then does his hair, which concerns me. I don't know why it concerns me, but it does concern me a wee bit. But I do think that Dubrovsky is a a step up from Fulton, and I again, I think he would he would benefit from it, and so would Hamilton. Because Hibs have got two other keepers now as well. He's not going anywhere, so it's like, uh, yeah, that was one that was one that I picked out, and because he was the only goalkeeper that I kind of saw on the list that I thought their club would would be willing to let go. I don't know what will happen at Kelly right enough because. Hem- when Hemmings back fit, we're going to have three goalkeepers that would all be quite. Um, but I think I think that that Heming injury kind of threw us up in the air because I think the plan would have been to get rid of um, Walker and and have someone like Gary Woods in as backup, which is who who we've signed. But then we've now ended up with all three of them past the window. Walker probably not going to go to the championship. Maybe it will. Maybe like a Dundee would be the only club I could imagine really being able to afford them or Partick Thistle, but. I guess we're just sitting with three goalkeepers until January, but I mean it's good in case of emergency, I suppose. It'd be an extreme emergency. Yeah, you never know. Um, Two Jim, of them could run into each other at training. You never. Jim, know. Jim Jeffries used to put. Um, so remember, in the SPL used to have an under twenty one rule, mm-hmm. and Jim Jeffries used to have. I think it was Chris Smith, um, who later would be on to go on to be a substitute in a an unused substitute in a UEFA Cup final for Rangers, um, but he was at the time like 20 or something. And so Jeffries used to put two goalkeepers on the bench and put Chris Smith as one of the under-21 players just so he could be there. So we used to run with two goalkeepers out of our seven subs every single week. And we played Rangers at Ibrox. And who was the goalkeeper at the time? I want to say Alan Combe got himself sent off. <clears throat> we had these two goalkeepers sitting on the bench. But of course, we'd already used our three subs about a minute earlier, so we've got two goalkeepers sitting <laughs> on the bench and uh, finished the game with James Fowler in goals. Um, completing completing him playing for every every position for Kelly, including in goals. Um, but yeah, that that um, that we might see a return to that this season. Hopefully, minus the the outfield player going in goals. Oh, it seems like a very like Rory McKenzie would be the natural guy that would take the gloves despite being a midget, similar to similar to Fowler. That said, since we're since we're talking about Kelly, I will just try and fob off the other three guys that I want rid of. Even though your your list, Sean, was devoid of any clubs that you thought needed a left back. Um, but I was... Oh! Because oh. Callum, Callum Waters is available. He's played in the Championship. He won the Championship last season. Is he terrible? No. Is he good? Also no. no. Um, <laughs> he's okay though. Yeah, he, he's... He's available because he's he's not getting anywhere near our squad at the moment. I'll take him. Um, I think left back's probably a little bit lower down Dundee's list, but at the moment, if with Jordan Marshall injured, 
even without him injured, um, it's Jordan Marshall and Cammy Kerr repurpose over on the left. So uh, I think that's probably another problem area. So Waters, then, we'll consider then it. Got, we'll get back to you with that offer. I've got a centre-back um, in, in Dylan McGowan that is probably a good League One player. Um, he was shit in the Championship. So I don't think any Championship teams would want him, but he said he already wanted a centre-half. I don't know if... Uh, they'd fancy him or not, um, but I'm eating potatoes. Um, probably fits in with their very weird style of football. And Brad Brad Lyons, uh, to me, is very Queen's Park, and you said they needed a central midfielder, so he's, he, he gets his foot in. I can imagine Coyle quite liking him, like he's just quite all-action, just not the best, really, but he would, he, would dig, he would dig in, he would do the business. He's not going to do it. He's not going to... He's not going to let you down in any way. He's just. I, I like how you said that he's not going to let you down, but just before you said that, you really screwed your face up as you mentioned him, oh, which would suggest that he will let you down. He's, he's, he models a nice pair of glasses as well. I just remember uh, we, we played Queen's Park in the. It was Queen's Park, wasn't it? Um, or Falkirk won the two games in the Challenge Cup last season. And within the first 10 minutes of the game, he skied over the bar from six yards twice. And I thought you are you are not necessarily going to be um, the the signing I was hoping for here, um, and that that was the three Kelly ones that I would like to see us ship out. So I think that's been the issue with us this season. Is I think McInnes was hoping to get rid of a few more of these guys. So we've ended up as we talked about on on Monday show with so many players out of contract, and McInnes has already addressed that and said you know we're we're planning to get ahead of recruitment in, but. The unsaid part of that was Tommy Wright gave all these guys two-year deals and they're not good enough, but we're lumbered with them. So it feels like this season it's just like getting what we can to not get relegated and then have a big massive uh, clear-out in the summer. But um, some of these guys could be cleared out a bit earlier. The other championship club I had picked out a player for was Cove Rangers. Now, you said um, you said it was more a, a left winger they might need, but I thought um, Flynn Duffy from Dundee United, who has had some spells at various clubs and he feels like a Cove Rangers player. I think he played at Peterhead last season. Is that right? Am I making that up? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, But he's a left-back and he he kicked off the season um, with Dundee United last year, year, I'm sure, and looked all right, quite an attacking left-back. And I thought he might be the sort of player, if you're talking about Harry Milne being missed at Cove Rangers, which he obviously will be, then at least someone who's in the same mould, if not as good. My uh, my Cove player, I, I thought they could make a move for, and somebody who is probably very much suited to that level was Gary Mackay Stephen. Uh, I, uh, I I appreciate he isn't going to go there, but I, I just don't think he's any good. Welcome to the club, Sean. Um, I I I got stick years ago for saying that that I thought, uh, and, and and my words get twisted, but I thought Ryan Dow <laughs> was more effective than Gary Mackay Stephen, and I say he was a better player. In that Dundee United team, because he, he gave him a bit more balance. Like when, when Robertson was flying down the left wing, Dow was a bit more kind of able to tuck in and not just get in Robertson's way, um, which Mackay Stephen, it felt like, did sometimes. But um, yeah, I, I think he, I'm surprised that he didn't leave actually um, Hearts. But again, they've, they've just got no players left. So I, I didn't even look at Hearts because I'm like, they've got about five five subs most weeks, it looks like we now. And yeah. uh, my my last uh, my last team was Queens Park, and again it's not going to happen. However, he just needs to nip across the road, and Queens Park pulling a central midfielder. So I thought uh, James McCarthy because he's probably twenty seventh choice at Celtic. So so why not go and loan to Queens Park? 
and own own coil um also has the same born in Scotland and Irish international thing as them. So we've got I've got a shared connection there. There you go. Perfect. I I had two possibilities for Queen's Park. One was uh Barry Maguire from Motherwell. So Motherwell centre mid is probably the, the one area that they can spare somebody. And Barry Maguire is a player who I think could do with more time in the championship. Um I think he's you know he is he's physical player he's uh pretty fast maybe not quite got enough pace um to uh, cut it in the top tier just yet but that's one player that they could potentially take another one would be finley robertson um from dundee um partly because he's got to go somewhere dundee have nine center mids on their books at the moment um paul mcgowan the james mcpake legacy it's James McPake, Paul Hartley. It's just we always have loads and loads of midfielders and nowheres. Um, so there's McGarren, McGee, Sean Byrne, who is also slated to disappear bizarrely, but, um, but he's not yet. Um, hopefully, that's a, going to see a little bit of a change of heart. Jay Chapman is still in Canada, I believe, as you do. Um, another MLS success in Scottish football. Um, and uh, you've got Max Anderson, Josh Mulligan, Finlay Robertson. That's seven, and I'm or I'm still missing two, and it's it's just too many. If you have so many players in one position at your club that you can't name them all at once, you need to pump a few of them. Um, and Finlay Robertson was on loan at Cove last season. Don't think he tore up trees too much, but maybe a, a loan period at a, a fellow Championship club would do him a little bit of good. So someone I meant to mention earlier, who I was originally thinking he could do a loan spell is that Momadou Bojang that's at Hibs, and I thought like, he could do a wee spell in the championship. <laughs> he's on loan. He's on loan from Rainbow FC. So uh, unless unless we have a Carlos Pena style sub loan, <laughs> or, or was it Herrera? Sorry, wasn't it? They went on a sub loan. Um, then then I guess he can't do that because that is a player who is not a Premiership player. Um, I. But yeah, that that was the extent of the championship ones that that I'd picked out. I think the, the other one I had, the other two players I had down um, on my list were Max Kucheravi from St. Johnston. Yes. I thought he could do it going back to Kelty. To be honest, I think that's. Uh, I, I thought Dunfermline. Well, Fife. Let's let's send him to Fife. I don't know how good he is. I just it's know the he same. Didn't, it's all the same. We didn't get a game. Like he wasn't a regular for Kelty, but they were a much better team than they were now than they are now when they were in League Two. He, he, he played enough, and I thought maybe he could just do with that. Um, I don't think he's he's ever going to be a Premiership player, frankly, but um, it would maybe be good for him career-wise to get some games under his belt. Um, and the other one I had down was Dylan Reed from St Mirren. He's the the, the young guy that um, he, he spent some time at Queens Park last season, but he was the one that Celtic were really trying to sign. Um, and the summer he signed a new deal with St Mirren but he's not getting games there again because he's very young and I don't know that he's really quite good enough for the team yet so I feel like he could do a wee spell somewhere he, he feels like the sort of player that would pop up at Airdrie again because they, they just do stuff like that and like they seem to have a lot of really young players um, kicking about and they, they need depth in general but he also feels like the sort of player that could end up at Falkirk he also seems like the sort of player that could end up at Queen of the South. It's like there's any number of clubs that sign young players on loan not to strengthen their squad, not to strengthen their first team, but just to have some legs to add to their squad. And it felt like he was one. But that is my entire list of players exhausted. So um, I, I, I would say one of the, the other players I wanted to mention would be Jamie Murphy. 
Like it kind of feels like he's run out of legs at, at that level. I wasn't sure. It, he felt like a Dunfermline signing. Uh, they need a wide player. They need they probably need experience as well. So it kind of feels like Murphy might have might have fitted in there. And he's let's face it, what he's thirty three now. He's probably he's probably starting to dribble out of the game. I, I did wonder if that would have been a, a a move for him. And and the only other player I could think about was. And I, and it might be that um, maybe he's went out to somebody else. But is Jack? Could Jack Newman play for anybody else this season? So he he went on loan to Peterhead, and I thought he looked excellent. But then he went back to Dundee United. I'm not entirely sure if he's went elsewhere. If he hasn't, I, I thought Edinburgh would have been a, a, a kind of good move for him. Ed, Edinburgh's made Edinburgh's made a lot of good signings uh, this season. One area where there's probably been a downgrade is. Is in goals because they had, uh, I think you pronounce it, Schwacky, uh, Brian Schwacky in goals last season. He was brilliant, best goalkeeper in the league two by a mile. It, it, it still feels like they're maybe lacking a goalkeeper. And I, from what I saw, certainly at, at Peterhead, I, I thought Jack Newman looked very good. He went back to Dungeon United. They then got a loan keeper from Aberdeen. If he's still available to play for somebody, as much as he's a teenager, he, I, I thought he looked. Pretty, pretty good. Uh, he would be a a good signer for most teams at, at that level. I would say. I think he could play for. I don't think he's played for United apart from anything, so he could play. But I also think the goalkeeper loans seem to be operating a different world from every other loan deal anyway. So I, I feel like he would be able to play for another team. And yeah, um, he he was a good one. The other one I, I was looking at actually, which I never put down because I don't really have a clue what's going on. Is Livingston have three? senior first choice goalkeepers now because they signed Jack Hamilton for some reason. Like they had um they have this guy George that they paid the money for that's clearly their, their number one. But they have the the Russian guy Konovalov who they brought in in January. Um, he's only played a couple of games. Don't think he was that impressive, but he's still there. He's like 28. He's not like a young up and comer. And then they they also signed Hamilton. So I don't know, presumably Hamilton's not been signed to be loaned back out um, unless he's just like doing Dougie Emery a favour because he didn't have the budget or whatever. He's like, I will send him back to you in a wee bit. But I wondered if that Konovalov is, um, he probably doesn't want to go back to Russia now anyway. So if he can go, uh, and if there's anywhere else he'll take him, it might be a, a kind of refugee situation at this point. So um, I don't know what, what's happening with him. I don't even know if he's good enough or Livingston's just weird. So it's very hard to speculate. It sounds like a peak Hamilton academical. It does there. actually. Very, uh, yeah, exactly. Like them. Yeah. There we go. We, we have plugged all of the gaps we possibly can. Um, so if you are from a lower league club and you're listening, you want any more hints, advice, consultancy, you know how to get in touch. We'll move on to our the second part of tonight's podcast, which we, is the next game in our memorable must features. We. Must we? Have, we'll, have we already done about 50 minutes? Is that not enough? We'll we'll very quickly skip we'll touch over on it. it. Yeah, because it's it's the probably the final uh, example of glorious failure in that it's a memorable game that we lost, um, number seven. Um, and it's probably one that listeners will remember as well. 17th of November 2007, Scotland won Italy 2. This was a game that uh, inexplicably Scotland could have uh, seen themselves qualify for Euro 2008 if they were to get a result um, at the time. Uh, it's important to remember that Luciano Pavarotti had passed away uh, just a few months previously. You think the that was number... relevant? 
well, it was while I was loading up. I think that dragged them through. I think that dragged the Italians through. <laughs> the spirit of Pavarotti is what um, is what ultimately ultimately got the world champions a victory over a team featuring Lee McCullough. You can't rule it in a route. That's all I'm saying. Um, Good luck, Chuck was number one at the UK box office. A film I don't really remember. What's Good and Luck Chuck? It, it was, is this not, it's like an Adam Sandler or Adam Ben oh, Stiller oh, I, I, I don't even know, but it just, that, that's what it's ringing a bell of in my uh, head. Adam Sandler is just the, the gutter worst. And Bleeding Love by Leona Lewis was number one. Oh, that was okay. A good she singer. Sing. But sadly that, that, for Scotland. That, that lady can sing. There's, there's no getting away from it. Despite, um, despite all of the above, um, Scotland could not quite. Um, <laughs> but Le- Leona Lewis didn't inspire us. If only uh, Michelle McManus <laughs> died in the lead up to the game. Marty Pello. <laughs> I'll have you know that Marty Pe- Pello played a commanding she in this stage production of Evita. But, um, but going back to the game, I mean, my memories of the game are quite hazy. It was one of the few times I've been to a Scotland game on a Tartan Army bus. Um, so I have vague memories of the second half and nothing really of, of what came before. Um, do either of you have much more um, crisp, crystal clear memories oh. of the game? Or have you just blotted so, out? Do you know something? I'd like, I'd, see, in terms of the campaign in general, this is, and, and Craig, you, you, you'll maybe know better than me, but... This, this feels like one of the last ones where it was all the home games were a Saturday afternoon or, or Saturday evening at least. And, and I think what's a wee bit disappointing is like regardless of how this campaign went, like up until this point, me and like there'd probably be like seven of us would come through for Kirkcaldy. So it'd be a case of you'd get a train at half nine in the morning, we'd have a carry out, we'd get through to Glasgow for 11, we'd be in the pubs opening, we'd get to the game for three. Whatever would happen at the game, whether it was a win or a, a, a draw or a defeat, would then come back and it was like, right, well, we, we'll go in Glasgow for a wee while, we'll go to Edinburgh for a wee while, and then last train back to Kirkcaldy. And it was just like the Saturday wasn't like was an event. So no matter what happened at the game, don't get me wrong, obviously, Scotland won, it was a better day. But it was like the Saturday was an event. And obviously, we've now kind of moved away from that. So now, if there's one or two years going through to games, because it's like a Monday night, for example, then that's just kind of that's just kind of where we are now. But but this campaign, like I think every game was at, at Hamden was uh, a Saturday afternoon. The thing was though, I I didn't I wasn't in the I wasn't in the supporters club, so I wasn't I wasn't guaranteed a ticket. I managed to get a ticket for every other game, but because it kind of got incrementally better and the expectations kind of. Uh, rose and, and and got higher and higher and higher the, the further through the campaign we got this was the game I, I, I didn't manage to get a ticket at I, I didn't manage to get a ticket for which is fair enough because I, I, I wasn't in the I wasn't in the travel club but this game I watched in so I was at every other every other Hamden game uh, but this one or, or every other home game I should say but this one I wasn't uh, I, I watched in Kirkcaldy and uh, and and sticks and and generally got more and more frustrated as the day progressed. So so I was at, I was at the game and and yeah I think I think that's the thing that's forgotten because the crowds that all of, like all the big games towards the end of that campaign you think of the France game the Ukraine game and and the Georgia game even and then this one were huge and we drifted away from that and it was partly obviously the the kind of come down with George Bowley after all that and and just not being as good and then that stretching through. 
three other managers until we finally found some iota of success. But I think that Saturday aspect is is overlooked in terms of the shit crowds, and I think that's that's quite a an achievement in itself in terms of not just Steve Clark because I think the SFA have, have done a good job on in terms of realizing that they need to price it cheaply again because that campaign was pretty cheap. Um, and and that actually having a full house at Hamden can make a difference, and and it did in that campaign several times. For me personally, that was like I was I think I was sixteen when it started, and me and my pals used to get kids tickets for the games. Um, we used to get to have get half on the train up, and we used to drink in the pub right across the road from Glasgow Central before heading out. That was it the terrible pub um, on. I can't even remember the street, but it's um, the Goose. Is that what it was? It was called it's an absolute shithole, but it's right across the road from Glasgow Central. They never used to ask any questions. <laughs> so we used to go three or four drinks, you know, pints in there, and and you know, be, be not not steaming or anything, but definitely enjoying our, our afternoons much the way that you did every single time. To the extent, oh, I was eighteen by the time the last game came around, so it wasn't as much a, a big deal. I could actually just go in any decent pub, and um, and we did before that the final game. But I remember in that campaign, like the sort of hard men from school coming into the pub um, and like seeing us standing there with our pints and be like, oh, how'd you get them? And then me being sent up to get the drinks for them. And that was quite a, a turnaround from school because as, as you can maybe imagine, I, I was never like a bullied or any of that at school, but I'm like a bit weedy and all that. So I wasn't exactly their, their number one go-to guy in any way. And then they were like suddenly desperate for me to go up and get them pints, which I obviously did. Um, I bet now they quote all your stats for Scottish football probably, as well. Probably do. Um, in the palm of your hand. Yes. But uh, but yeah, that so that I that night was yeah, we, the three two of my pals, it was the three of us used to go to all these games and it was it was magic and every moment up until kickoff and then every moment after Barry Ferguson scored up until the last minute was was amongst the kind of best times of being a Scotland fan. I think probably up until you're looking at those Israel and or Israel and Denmark games um recently because even qualifying for the Euros where you weren't there and then at the Euros, even though that was good to be at a couple of those games at Hamden, wasn't a full house. It was all a bit flat and so those were yeah, those were <clears> particularly <throat> big moments. I'm I'm saying all this, I'm telling all these stories because I don't want to talk about the game at all. I said the last time me and you were both on, Sean, the previous podcast where we were maybe going to talk about this and then time got away from us, fortunately, but we've not avoided it this time. And I said then, I've never watched the highlights of this game. I didn't watch them to do this podcast. I can't bring myself to do it. I've seen I've seen Barry Ferguson's goal a couple of times. I've seen the footage of the, the Italy winner. What I have never watched back is James McFadden's miss because I can't yeah. bring myself to do it. Um, that was at the end of the ground I was sitting at and I yeah. I thought, partly fueled by the alcohol inside my system, I thought he'd scored and it was a very painful two seconds later that you realised, no, he just... Because it was all written for that because he was the player of that campaign. I mean, that, I mean, amongst many, because you think Alan Hutton is another one in Scott Brown who who announced, both announced themselves onto this scene for Scotland in that campaign. You can think of Kenny Miller generally tirelessly working. You can think of Lee McCall kind of being a big massive guy on the wing that people pumped balls at. You can think of the centre-halves generally being solid. Craig Gordon, astonishingly still our goalkeeper, um, doing what he did at that point and just pulling out ridiculous saves. Um, and, and you've got Hartley and Fletcher in the middle, who are obviously very good as well. But 
always to me that was McFadden's campaign. You think of Ukraine, you think of um, Lithuania was in that campaign as well, wasn't it? Yep. These big games, he popped up, he did something, and then obviously culminating in France, and it felt like that was the moment we'd had a bit of luck with our goal, which was was very clearly offside. Um, a hard decision to make, but it was very clearly offside. And then felt like about five, ten minutes to go that we got that chance. And and yeah, it felt like that was the game. That was McFadden's moment. That was Scotland going to, to a major tournament. And that would have been possibly our greatest achievement to qualify from that group because you're talking about two World Cup finalists who were in it with us and you're talking about a Ukraine team who had got to the quarterfinal who were very highly rated and who we dispatched with ease to be honest and it was just Italy and then obviously Georgia that were our sticking points in that group because we we, we did the business against France we, we we shared the points with Ukraine and it was just yeah Italy was just the team we, we couldn't beat and the 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 incident at the end basically irrelevant. It's obviously annoying and, and all that. We it, it didn't cost us in the sense that yes, would, we would have it, still. It, it would have took us to the final game. We would have been hoping for Ukraine to beat France. France I uh, think yeah, which I I don't think would have happened. But you know, I mean, you never know. It'd be better than losing, obviously. And and it's an absolutely ludicrous decision, and there's no other way around it. Um, but I think the the significance it's taken on. Would would almost be as though it was, you know, Scotland were heading to the tournament, and and you know we were two one up going into the last minute, and and that happened. And, and... I, so so I've I've watched it back a couple of times now, and uh, so I remember watching it at the time, and what I would say is, I thought, I th- I thought we had momentum, led to, so even so first kind of ten fifteen minutes. So actually, let's start with the first goal. The fact that three of our players appeared to mark the guy that was taking a throw in, like offended me beyond belief for uh, for kind of Luca Tony's uh, opener, and for that kind of first fifty minutes or so, we were lacklustre to to say the least. We then kind of we kind of we kind of managed to kind of ride out the storm, I suppose. And then after that, I, I, I thought we we're pretty good, and I thought we we're well worth the the equaliser, albeit it was offside and. Uh, what I would say is I did enjoy can't remember what the what the documentary was and Alex McLeish was interviewed about uh, probably about his tenure in general but they obviously touched on this game and I'm sure he said that he'd been uh, phoned by an Italian journalist am I just making this up certainly he was telephoned by somebody and they said that the the referee or, or basically UEFA wouldn't let Scotland win the game. There was something along those lines. Ah. Now, that obviously that obviously feeds into this narrative about the, the the kind of free kick in the last minute. However, that also misses out the fact that I think it was De Natale had a perfectly good goal disallowed. Uh, Barry Ferguson's equaliser was offside. See if you were see if you were an official in this game and you wanted to 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 award the game to Italy essentially. Then you would just award them the goal that is perfectly good, and you would just disallow Scotland's goal that was offside. You wouldn't just chuck in a daft free kick in the last minute, albeit I I fully appreciate it is as a, a very very silly free kick. Uh, but I regardless, I what? did think momentum wise. As soon as we equalised, I thought as silly as it sounds, I'm like, I think we might actually beat Italy here, but 
ultimately that 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 wasn't to that wasn't to come to fruition. And I it was a a, a disappointing end to what was a a, a kind of thrilling uh, campaign. Albeit it turned out that, that France and Italy were rubbish once I actually got to the the, the tournament proper. But the, the, I guess the, the, what I will say is I'm pretty sure having run the line before, the reason that decision gets given the wrong way is that when you're a linesman and something is happening like literally right in front of your nose, you're like so in on top of it that you don't have a, the slightest clue what's going on and you're also kind of half worrying that you're going to get wiped out. And I think that probably plays into why a decision gets given the wrong way, not that it's, an, it's excusing it in any way, but um, I'm pretty sure that's where it came from. But um, yeah, I felt... I just remember we we kind of walked out the stadium in a haze kind of thing, just like just dejected all the way back into the city centre. I think, and it was just that miserable. I, I don't think it was the best weather, and it was like um, we've had plenty of disappointments. We'd had disappointments before that, but that was the first time where you you felt like uh, all I can maybe liken it to, but this one felt much worse than that. Is when Kelly lost to to Nomads in Europe. Um, you f- you felt invincible for so long that like you just every game you went to you just kept winning, and so you just keep expecting that to continue even beyond all logic. You kind of go to that and think, you know what? Yeah, we're, we are going to do them here, and then when actually that bubble gets punctured, you're like, oh shit! I actually we we are actually a bunch of because because that team was nowhere near as good as our current team in terms of man for man. Um, I would argue and. You wouldn't expect our current team to go and go toe to toe with the world world champions either. If only we'd played as well as we did uh, that afternoon, as we as we did against Georgia, and uh, in the previous game, and we would have been we would have been absolutely sorted, absolutely infuriating. Well, I'm I'm really glad that I brought this up so that you can both go, uh, <laughs> so we so can, can relive so we can relive misery. You can both go and I don't know yell at your neighbours out the window or something. Uh, put you both in thoroughly miserable moods, but don't worry, guys, because there's another six games to go somehow in this memorable uh, Scotland games list. Um, At least we're which, making uh, progress. It felt like we probably abandoned it for... Well, it's uh, like we the DFS sale. It, before. It, it, was, it, was 20, it was 2018 or 19. <laughs> it started because I put it all together. Like the amount of games that, that there must be, there must be at least... I would, I would say since I started, <laughs> you would definitely... Some people might even include like the Czech game where they were playing like all the play- like their B team players because of COVID. They probably wouldn't make it. And you would definitely have the Serbia game. You would potentially have the Israel game that led to that. You would definitely have Wembley in the Euros. You'd probably have all the games at the Euros because they're, they're more recent people remember them. You would definitely have the um, Denmark game. You would definitely have the Israel game. <laughs> So, you would probably have the Ukraine playoff game for all that it, all that it was, and you would probably have um, the potentially have the win away to Austria, just in terms of it being quite um, you know quite a big deal um, in terms of getting so, there. So, so it's so our what, top it's our top fifty, apart from the ten games that yeah. have been quite good since we've compiled this what, list. What I'm hearing is that we need to recompile the list and just start again. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we're definitely starting. Under no circumstances, I was starting again. Tony would like it. Tony would like it because he he always some somehow manages to find some deviance from uh, some players. So he he'd be fine with that. But no, no, let's let's not start again. Yeah. Well, uh, on that note, we are going to go off and start again in a way on the Patreon, where if you would like our uh, ill-considered and poorly uh, judged picks 
from uh, this weekend's games to add to your football coupons. We will be doing our best to make you some money. Chances are you won't, but uh, you will find us over on the Patreon, which is available at patreon.com forward slash terrace podcasts. Um, but until then, um, hopefully uh, once Fowler is back from um, London, um, where he is going to pay his respects, we will be able to um, return and talk about some actual proper football. So until then, Sean, thank you very much. Good night. And Craig, thank you as well. Good night. Good night and God bless. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.